Hello and welcome back to another episode of T Coop's Talks. I'm your host, Tiffany Cooper, and on this podcast, we talk about anything and everything that interests me, whether it's serious or silly. Now, today, I just want to delve in and really talk about a couple of interesting topics, and I really want you to get to know me. I think leading into this podcast, I think it's so important that you get a really good grasp of who I am, what I do, and what I like, and my life experience, because I have found in the past that the reason why I don't like things or people is because I don't understand them. So that rule applies here. I want you guys to understand who I am, and hopefully you can be It's like listening to your best friend talk. Unfortunately, I can't hear your side of the story unless you see me in person, but I'm your best friend telling you, giving you some fantastic life advice. I hope it's good. (laughs) But the first thing I want to talk about is like, how did I get to this position in my life? I briefly mentioned in my other podcast that I was never 14 or 12 years old and I had a revelation of like, yeah, this is what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. And um, one thing I did was I like writing letters to people. And one thing that has been really great and really beneficial writing letters is that I get to sit down and deeply think about my life and what I've done. And because I feel like we live in a fast paced society that the idea of slowing down scares us because we don't feel like it's productive. So I wanted to talk about this because when I when you get to the age like in your 20 to 25, that question of like who do I want to be or what job do I want to pursue is a really – how do I say it? It's like the first time when somebody meets you, they ask you what you do for your job. And if you have no idea of what you want to do or where you're at, it's quite a confronting question and it may become a question that you hate and loathe because you don't know the answer for yourself. So you feel like how am I supposed to tell somebody else if I don't know? myself. So I just want to say that growing up, I never wanted to grow up. That's a fun fact. I I remember, um, I remember I was in grade three and one of the assignments was, um, what do you want to be when you grow up? And this was a question that I feared. I actually hated this question so much that they actually changed the assignment for me, um, because I was just in tears. My mom tells me, but I think I feared this question because I didn't want to grow up because I had a fantastic childhood and I didn't know who I wanted to be. And it was really funny when I, in grade seven, we actually had a yearbook and we had to write like fun things about us, like your nickname and your favorite sport. I don't know. And one of the things is like what career you want to pursue. And I had a lot of careers that I wanted to pursue as a little kid. Like, oh my gosh, I wanted to be a preacher. I wanted to be a teacher. I wanted to be a businesswoman. Um, probably not a, I can, I can tell you, I did not want to be a host on play school because I always felt robbed whenever they did these amazing like DIY crafts and mine looked like absolute crap. So I can say definitely not a preschool host, um, <laughs> preschool play school host. <laughs> um, but there's kind of like a few – I'll probably a pop star. I think everyone at that point wanted to be a pop star. I just didn't know who I wanted to be. And it was really funny in that grade seven yearbook that I said that I wanted to be an interior designer. I, I almost was on the money because I – when I went to uni, I actually studied a design degree and I could have done interior design. But I just never knew what career I wanted 
to pursue and it's kind of a really it's a lingering question that you feel like you have for the rest of your life who do I want to be what do I want to do for the rest of my life because every single day you wake up you have to work so that question of like what the heck do I want to do with the rest of my life is a really has been a question that plagued me for like the last couple of years I'm like oh this is my reality and this is what I have to do for the rest of my life work damn, I need to find something that I really enjoy. Back to me being at school. I was very determined to study a business degree throughout all of high school. I actually loathed music. I, Even though I thoroughly enjoyed it in primary school, when it came to high school, I wanted an absolute, I wanted no bar of it um, because I was embarrassed and ashamed to have liked music. I had so many people, especially my parents, tell me that to make money, you can't be you can't have a job in the creative arts and that's kind of really hard to to listen to because when you are really wired to be such a creative person and then you're told, no, you can't do that, it's kind of a tough thing to swallow. I was so determined on studying a business degree because I was very fearful that I wouldn't be able to support myself financially. And I had throughout all my time in high school, everyone would ask me if I wanted to pursue something with music and I would always shut them down because I didn't want to answer the question. And no matter how hard I tried, there was always at least someone that was like, Tiffany, what are you going to do with music? And I was like, no, I'm studying a business degree. And I would just cut the conversation short. And so even though I did singing in high school, I still have really low self-esteem and I've really delved into that topic a lot in the first one. So if you want to check that out, go do that. After I finished school, I took a gap year and I was quite fearful about taking a gap year because a lot of my mates went from school to uni and there was not many. I don't think there was really anyone that took a gap year other than myself. And that was one thing that I was really, really grateful four because my birthday is a lot later on in the year and I just found that my maturity and it didn't mature as quickly as my friends who you know had birthdays earlier on in the year and so my sister and my mum were like Tiffany maybe you should just take a gap year and I'm so glad I did I didn't go traveling in that gap year though I just worked at McDonald's because I was 17 at the time and for me it didn't make sense to go and get a passport and that I you know, eight months, nine months later, then I'm an adult. So for me, it didn't make much sense. So I just worked at McDonald's and I uh, found one of my best mates uh, during that time as well. You know, we could have painted the town red, but I feel like, again, that's another (laughs) story within itself. In that gap year, I learned that the degree that, firstly, I didn't get the OP score that I wanted. I got an OP 12 and I needed to go and get an OP 9 to get into the university I wanted to go to, which was QUT. Fun fact, I didn't go to QUT or as one of my mates say, QT. That got me good. I was wheezing when I heard that one. (laughs) But I got into Griffith, which was my second preference. And I applied for a double degree, which was the Bachelor of Business and a Bachelor of Digital Media. And the digital media course no longer existed. And I had to pick either a business degree or a design degree. And I remember thinking back, hmm, I did not enjoy accounting in high school. (laughs) Why would I do that again? (laughs) So I was like, stuff the business. I'm going to go and study a design degree. When I started my degree, I didn't even think that I was creative enough. Started my, you know, got my results back 
when I got my GPA, was, which is a grade point average and the highest you could get was a seven, I was really, really shocked to see that I got high distinctions for all my classes. So that was a massive shock to the system because I had been listening to this lie that I was never good enough and that I was never creative enough. And then when I went to go to uni, when I got the results back and that didn't align with the lies that I was believing, it was a real, you know, oh my goodness, shock to the system. But one thing that was really happening, interesting that happened at the end of my uni year was that I got this email in my uni um, emails. I better specify that because people go, girl, that's really seedy. It's not seedy. Don't worry. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> I can I can say I survived. <laughs> but wait, I got this email from this company about wanting to go and study overseas. And it was like, yeah, you can go to Italy. And I was like, hell yeah, I'm going, baby. Um my thought process at the time was like, I don't want to work in McDonald's for one month. Yeet, let's go. <laughs> I do have to say that I had to, it wasn't like as easy as like, like how I explained it. I had to do a couple of interview processes and I passed everything with flying colors. And I think I was one of the youngest people to go. And it's kind of funny how it all happened because I never planned at uni to study abroad. It always was maybe, ah, that'd be nice if it happened, but that was the end of my thought process. I know my sister, when she went to uni, she wanted to go and study abroad, but somehow it just never happened. And I really believe that everything happens for a reason. And even though some things at the time seem really, really random, it's not random. Whatever you've done will later down the track, it will all link up. So nothing is a mistake. I went off to Italy. Now I need to give you a little bit of context. I Yes, I um, did the application process and I had to get some hex money um, because I didn't have enough money. Um, so I added more to my hex so I'm more in debt. <laughs> That's all good. Don't worry. I don't really know what compelled me other than I didn't want to um, work at McDonald's for a month. And the course that I went over for was media and communications in the fashion industry. A few days before I even went overseas, my sister just got married. I had so many life things going on because when my sister got engaged, yes, I was excited for her, but it was an, a huge shock to the system because for most of my life, like really all of my life, I was my sister's top priority. And then when she met her now husband, I was bumped from that spot and I didn't cope with that at all. And it was really until the like the eve of my sister's wedding where I actually had to come to terms and had to go, okay, he is your first priority and he needs to be your first priority. So that was another thing that I was dealing with as well. For me, when you and your sister or siblings are really, really tight, something like that can really knock your relationship and it will take sometimes years to refine that balance that you once had. So again, as I said, I it was my sister's wedding and then a few days after I went to Italy all by myself. So yes, I was like 19 years old, 19, 20 years old and I decided, yep, I'm going to Italy by myself. And I did get a lot of people praying for me just to make sure that um, it, I was safe and, and all that um, going overseas because I was a single traveler, like a single female traveler going over. I had knew nothing at all. I, I actually had no idea what I was doing. I was like, YOLO, I'm just going overseas. <laughs> 
But I do know that when I went on my flight from Brisbane to Singapore um, and then Singapore to Dubai and then Dubai to Rome, in the first leg of the journey, which was Brisbane to Singapore, which Singapore was just like a fueling up and then Singapore to Dubai, I met this really incredible British man. I don't know what his name was. We just started talking and, you know, we kind of just looked at for each other and I really loved that friendship that we kind of formed even though we didn't exchange numbers I didn't I don't even remember his name but he was a top bloke and if he ever is listening thanks for being a champ that you are and for keeping me company he thought I was nuts for like going overseas by myself but I did it I did it and so then I went from Dubai to Rome For me, that was a bit of a lonely part of that journey because I didn't have anyone to talk to and everyone on that flight didn't seem to speak like an ounce of English. So I guess that part was a bit lonely so you just had to like watch all the movies (laughs) on the flight because you're like, I don't know what else to do. (laughs) And I remember arriving in Italy feeling very tired, extremely tired because I'd done like over 16 hours of travel. Like It was a long long time. I remember when I got out of the airport, I probably paid too much money to get to the taxi, but I was just so fed up. I was like, I want to just get me to a hotel. I want to freshen up and, you know, feel bright-eyed and bushy-tailed because I was not feeling bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. I remember walking into the hotel lobby with my suitcase and the gentleman who took me there, he was very kind and was very chatty and so I didn't feel so, you know, alone. And I remember going into the concierge and everyone going, bonjour. And I'm thinking, am I in the right country? Like, why are you saying bonjour? Isn't that French? To this day, I still don't know why everyone says bonjour. It's one of the world's greatest mysteries to me. Why is everyone saying bonjour in Italy? And the concierge guy was like, I don't want to alarm you or anything, but since you're a young woman and you've traveled by yourself, I would recommend that when it comes to nighttime, just stay in your hotel. Don't go out anywhere just for your own safety. And I totally took his advice because I had no one with me. And when I kind of got into the hotel room, I kind of was thinking like, what the heck did I just sign up for? You just, Tiffany, you just went on a flight for 16 hours and now you're thinking like, what the heck am I doing? Yep. Yep. That's me, girlfriend. (laughs) But I remember I had a shower and I called my mom and dad just to let them know that like, yep, I've made it. I survived. It's all Gucci. And um, I called my parents every single day when I went to Italy because I just didn't have anyone to talk to. Or if I did have people to talk to, well, they're not, you know, your amigos, your mates. And so for those first couple of nights I stayed in Rome, I ate apples for dinner in my room because I was not going out at night and plus it was cold because I went in January and it was cold. But I do remember going to the supermarket buying those apples and I remember that cash, that Italian cash register lady, she was very crumpy um, because I did not know, I did not do any educating about myself. So if you're ever going to a supermarket and you're going to buy some apples in Italy, my recommendation is to kind of watch the locals. If you can't do that, um, it's essentially like the scoop and whey, you know, at Coles where you have the, uh, the scoop and whey nuts and you can get these BBQ rice crackers and Turkish Delight Supreme 
You may not like Turkish Delight, but they mmm supreme. Okay, sorry, I'm getting sidetracked. It's like that for your apples, so you have to put it in a bag, weigh them, get a sticker, and that. So yeah, I did. Did I rev up that uh, shop assistant? Absolutely. Was I proud of myself? No, I felt humiliated. And plus, I couldn't communicate with her because she didn't speak English. So it was like, <laughs> yeah, that was fun. No, no, it was not fun. It was not delightful at all. <laughs> But I remember just being in my room, just alone, eating apples. Sounds really sad, but that's what I did. And I remember the first day um, out and about in Rome, I did not know what I wanted to do. I had absolutely no idea. Even before I went, I was like, Mom, what the heck do I do in Rome? And then I remembered, girl, you watched the Lizzie McGuire film growing up. Where did Lizzie McGuire go? And that's where you're going, girl. So... That's what I did. Wherever Lizzie McGuire went, your girl went. So that was me. Uh, <laughs> um, so, I, yes, I just essentially went to all the places Lizzie McGuire went. I took a bus, um, one of those, like, get on, get off buses. Fantastic. Really recommend that because Rome is a very big city. You can walk it, but it's going to take you a long time. And you can get Lime scooters, I think. But they are traffic hazard. And nobody knows how to drive, including you. But that is really uh, noticeable when you go to Italy. Like, no one can drive. Like, their mentality is don't look, just drive. And I'm like, yeet, help me, help me, help me. (laughs) So, yes, it was that. So I went on these, um, as I said, these buses on and off. Um, tour buses. So I went to the Colosseum and then I I needed to go to Sephora. And somehow when I went to Sephora, I found the Spanish steps. I was like, God, you're looking out for me. Thank you. And all those other places. But when I went to these tourist places, it was cool. Uh, I felt like I was like a sardine, like jammed in and everyone else wants to go and see the exact same thing as you are. But one thing that really stood out other than being on high alert because of pickpocketers was that when you were at these famous landmarks, I didn't have anyone there to take a photo of me. That sounds really sad the way I said it, but when you go overseas by yourself, there's certain things that get really, really highlighted. And one of the things was like, yes, I love being a single sassy lady, but I was like, I don't want to live my life alone. I want to be able to share moments and create moments and find joys in those small and mundane things such as, you know, asking them to go and take a photo of me. And I was especially on high alert when I asked people to take my photo because it wasn't a phone I was asking them. I was asking them to take a photo with a DSLR camera, which is very expensive. You don't know what that that's a fancy word. It's a big fancy camera. That's a lot of cash money. And I just remember going to these tourist places and having to be very, very, you know, had to pick the right people to take my photo. I had a great time overseas, but I just missed being with somebody. And that's why I would call my parents every single day because at least I had that sense of home um, and at least I knew I could talk to somebody and could confine in. But it wasn't the same as being with someone. So that was one really major lesson that I learned going overseas is that it's fun traveling by yourself, but it's a lot more enjoyable to share that adventure with somebody else. So I was like, I'd love to go back to Italy. Perhaps it would be cool if I was married or if I went with a really good mate of mine just to go over and explore the sites because there's so much to see in – it seems like a small country compared to Australia, but there's a lot to see and I don't feel like I even scraped the surface. 
So after I had my time in Rome, being Lizzie McGuire, unfortunately I did not sing in the Colosseum, nor did I have a line of like, sing for me, Paolo, nor did I get whipped around in a Vespa with Paolo, you know, nor did I get handed a big slice of cheese at the um, Trevi Fountain. Didn't happen. They're always all Lizzie McGuire references, okay, if you didn't get that one. Um, But then when I had to leave Rome to go to Florence because that's where the main stay of my trip was, foolish me learned a very hard lesson. When you're going to a place that you've never been before, give yourself extra time because if you don't give extra time, you may miss your train like I did and you have to wait three hours in a train station in a foreign country where English is not their first language and you are stressed up to your eyeballs and you're trying to find somebody who can speak English who can help you to get onto the next train to go to Florence. And then you're waiting in the train station for three hours and your parents are concerned because you've called them and say, yo, I've missed my train. And they're like, there's nothing I can do for you. Yes, I missed my train. So don't be a goob. If you're going somewhere, give yourself some extra time so you don't make a fatal mistake like I did. So I took the train and finally got on the train to get to Florence, Italy. And I knew that I couldn't, from the train station, <laughs> like wheel my suitcase to my air, my B&B, my bed and breakfast. So I had to take a taxi. And that, again, is a very stressful thing. A single lady traveling, trying to hire a taxi. You're trying to make sure that you don't get abducted. So, of course, you're on high alert. And I eventually made it to the B&B. And I remember the receptionist was like, Oh, I said, oh, yeah, I'm here. I'm part of this um, AIM overseas group. Um, and he was like, why are you here a couple of days late? I was like, um, I don't know, because I went to Rome. What else am I supposed to say? And he was like, oh, okay. I think his name was Alex. So, Alex, I wasn't poo-pooing you. I, was, I, I had places to go. It's that ENTJ in me. And <laughs> I eventually got to find out who my roommate was, and I had a great time there. Um, and that in, in itself, that whole trip, like I, I essentially went to go – and stay in Florence and to study at this university. That, wow, was very, very interesting. Now, what I mean by that was really interesting was, firstly, when you walk into, when I went into this university, it was I think it was IET, Institute of Something Design, and one thing that was the first thing that you would notice in these university buildings is the smell of cigarette smoke. It is inevitable. And as us Aussies, we don't really deal with a lot of people. It's not very often that we know people who smoke. It's probably because the price of cigarettes are also really expensive. In Italy, everyone smokes. And it, I remember asking one of the guys at the uni and I was like, why Why do you smoke? And he couldn't give me a, an, an actual reason why. I think he did it because everyone else was doing it. And I thought that's a little bit stupid. Like, don't do it. It, it, it. Don't tell me that if it's bad for your health and you keep doing it, punk. Like, stop it. Get some help. I think that was going into these unis and the just woof of cigarette smoke is a complete shock to the system. And it wasn't me who was alone in this boat. A lot of people said it was just a boom, a big shock. And especially when you'd go outside the building because it was two stories, but the, somehow the staircase wasn't in the building interesting not my decision and as soon as you would get outside you just boom smacked in the face with cigarette smoke again because everyone would be like smoking not really fun but one thing that i learned especially people in the fashion industry 
uh, I'm just going to say it. They're very two-faced, really two-faced. And I saw this firsthand for myself. Like I knew going in and doing this course that I may not mm, be a huge fan of the people. And uh, I try to keep an open mind. You don't want to kind of go in with like, I'm only going to do this and this. But you do go in with an open mind as much as you can. And I remember just seeing this one lecture dude and he was like, oh, yeah, blah, 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 blah. And as soon as we would leave, he would just be like talking crap about us. And I was like, mate, I do have ears and you're speaking in English. I know what's up, punk. So that was one thing. I did have one, two lecturers I really liked. One guy, his name was, I think, Tomo. Don't know what it was. I've actually got him on LinkedIn. Funny story. Don't know how that happened. And he taught me a lot about photography. And I really, really started to love photography. And I learned so many things from him. I was not the best photographer, but I learned a lot and he instilled a lot of um, passion within me. And I really like that and I'm very grateful for him for that. And I also had this other lady. Her name was Professor Michi. And oh my gosh, I love that woman. Like love her so much. Fan flippantastic. She literally would go, Allura, Allura, Allura. And I was like, yes. <laughs> Now, do I know what a Laura means? No. No, I have no idea, but that she would just go, Laura. And then I remember looking at Professor Michi's pants, like trousers, and I was like, girl, there's some nice pants. And they were like black pants. They had like six buttons in total, three buttons on each side, and they were like pockets. And I thought, girl, there's some nice pair of pants. And then I get home and I'm like, I have the exact same pair of pants. Professor Michi and I were like on the same wavelength. <laughs> So I remember that. That was one other lesson that I had learnt. And I remember we, even though we went over for like media and communications in the fashion industry and then there was one time where we supposedly got to pick the outfit and then some lady did, I'm thinking, why am I here? Like if I'm going fashions, doing fashion, and I don't even pick the fashion that the model wears, what am I doing? Yeah, sassy, sassy, I know. But I do remember they were talking about this fashion blogger at the time and now if you don't know her um, that's okay I had no idea either her name was like I don't know how to say it sorry it's like Shikara oh my gosh not Shakira absolutely not uh <laughs> and Farragani something Farragani sus of the sea I know I know exactly what I'm talking about I don't know how to say the name and they're going on about her because she's one of the biggest fashion influencers like massive like her wedding because she got married generated more media buzz than megan and harry's wedding like what that's crazy yeah like you mm, yeah like you look at the figures you'll be like eyes are like saucers and they were talking about her a lot no problem about the lady but i never thought years down the track that i would be doing something similar which is with my business I also learnt in Italy that I ate too many chocky croissants and I ate way too much Nutella that I actually still don't eat Nutella to this day because I just OTD, overdid it. I ate too much chocky croissants or quacksants as Tom Holland likes to say. I think quacksants is a really funny word and I'm going to use that to my vocab. <laughs> but I remember that. That was That's not one of the main reasons I learnt whilst I went overseas, not that I, I still like chocky croissants. Just don't eat as many. I think I ate chalky croissants like every day because one thing that was fantastic in, in Italy, especially where we stayed in Florence, was that you could walk everywhere. And um, so I would burn my chalky croissant off every day. I didn't need to go to the gym. Like the world was my gym. 
And another important lesson that I learned other than being infatuated with men's fashion because men's winter fashion is just top level stuff um, was that I remember every day I walked to class, I saw this fantastic leopard print jacket like it was a coat and it was so fluffy and every single day I walk past the shop and I go hmm I really like that jacket and weeks went by and the time that one time I made a decision I'm like yep I'm gonna buy that coat somebody else bought it and so in that moment I was gutted gutted that I didn't buy this jacket I sometimes still kick myself that I should have bought it but I didn't but one of the things that I learned was like if you have an idea and you have it now, run with it before somebody else takes it. You can get some fantastic downloads, but if you don't run with that idea and make it a reality, well, somebody else is going to do it and you're going you're gonna to lose out in the end. So it's so important to just run with any idea that you feel like it's good, you really strongly believe something, but something bigger is behind it, just go for it. Just as Nike say, just do it. So that was one major lesson that I learned. I really liked Italy, but as a single female traveler, I don't think I enjoyed it as much as I could because I was constantly on high alert because I I had heard a lot of people in the group that I went with, um, who I went and did the uni course with, that people had been pickpocketed and all that. So I was very, very on like, <laughs> like don't touch my bag, punk, I'll punch your lights out. But the thing is, like with pickpocketing, it's done so discreetly that you don't even feel it. You don't even hear it. It's nuts. So it's just off the bloody rails. So you that's what I mean. I was like on high alert like the whole time. And another thing that I did was just go off and do things. Don't wait for people to do it. Just get off your rumpus and do it. And that was really evident that I went to these colorful buildings. Um, they're like Chincantetta, Um, and it's like on the coastline. It is beautiful. You'll see it in photos all the time. You probably see it all the time, but you don't know the name of it. I was probably like one of those people. And it's picture perfect. You cannot take an ugly photo there. And I remember I really wanted my roommate to come with me and see, you know, go to the places, uh, go to Chincantetta, And she didn't. And I was kind of like, you know, a bit disheartened because I'm 19 years old. I've just come over to the other side of the world and I have no idea what I'm flipping doing, but I'm taking it as a holiday, even though I'm supposed to be like studying. But eh. The things sometimes that you're so fearful of the most are sometimes the best things that come out of it. Sometimes the things that you expect to be the greatest moments in your life are sometimes, you know, they don't live up to that expectation. I think when I finished uni, everyone was like, wow, it's going to be the most exciting thing in your life. And then you get there and you're like, cool, done it. And that's it. Like, it's not super like, well, hyped up, like, oh my gosh, like some people make it. It was just like, yep, done. Now I'm in debt. Cool. <laughs> now I'm going to find a real job. <laughs> But that was that was another moment that I learned. Like sometimes the things that you least expect are the greatest things ever. And the things that you're usually really nervous about, there's usually a really good outcome that's waiting. But if you have like a like a gut feeling and you're like, it's not gonna be good, well, you're on the blooming money. So just listen to your gut on that one. One of the subjects we had to do at this uni was we had went to Bitti Wamo, which is a men's fashion trade show. It's one of the biggest ones in the world. And 
when we went there, it was, you know, incredible. I really enjoyed it. It was very interesting. I feel like that in, a, in itself is a whole nother episode because there's so much to delve into. But we had to predict fashion trends that were going to happen, you know, in women's fashion maybe two years from now. And I kid you not, everything that I said was going to be in fashion, boom, absolutely on the money. But I did not have the confidence to go, no, guys, I see this happening in X, Y, Z because everyone just went, and all the things that they said that was going to be really fashionable, I'm still scratching my head because I still haven't seen it. So just be confident with what you know, even though you may not like it, just own it, baby cakes. Don't let the people let you down. You do your thing. Be kind about it. But if you really feel you're like, no, no, something's on this, just own it with confidence. Don't let people flatten you. Don't let people see you as a doormat. Just own it, baby cakes. Be that confident young woman that you're meant to be. Yeah, so that's a note to myself. I'll jot that one down too. just went overseas by myself. I had no idea what I was doing, even though I was supposedly supposed to be studying and put studying in inverted commas, brackets, whatever. I kind of was like, no, I'm over here in Italy and I'm going to make a vacation out of it and you ain't stopping me. So um, everyone was like stressing around, like running around like a headless chook and now I am like holiday mode. That was my attitude. I was like, I'm coming here to Italy all by myself and I'm going to make the most of it. Now, whilst you're running around freaking out about assignments, uh, probably pretty easy, I'm going to take it in and I'm going to take in the sights and enjoy the places. I will have to say that if you ever go to Italy, if you ever go to Sorrento, what's in that area? Oh, the, oh my goodness. If you ever go to the Amalfi Coast, it's incredible. I have never been so flabbergasted over looking at water, but this, wow. Like even thinking about it now, like I, I remember just being in the tour bus and going, whoa, like jaw drop. I also do remember going on another day trip, going to this uh, garden kind of thing. I don't really know what it was. To this day, it's a bit of a mystery. Don't know what it was, but I do remember this guy and he had this weird ass drum thing and um, it made me laugh so much. And I had to get a sneaky recording and I sent it to my parents and they couldn't stop laughing either. Now, I don't know whether that dude was being serious. I reckon he was like being very serious about his weird ass drum bass thing. But boy, did it make me laugh. I was like in tears, like even thinking about it, I'm just, I'm going to cry because I'm going to laugh so hard. <laughs> but there was a lot of takeaways that I learned going to Italy. I think one more point uh, I'm going to put in there, relationships. No, I'm not talking about like, fr- like relationships with people is really important and being kind to other people. Even though you may not see eye to eye with somebody, it's still so important to treat that person with humility and be kind to them, even though sometimes you're like, mm, I don't want to be kind. Just it looks good on your end. And then if somebody wants to say something nasty at you and you've been kind, there's not really much to go by. But I do remember hanging out with another group of girls because there was a couple of group of people that I hung out with, but near the end there was a group that I really hung out with and they were my people. I remember at the time when I went overseas, I really liked this guy. I essentially said that if it's meant to be, I'll wait. And if it's not, 
that's okay. That's my mentality about it. It was a very handsome man. And I remember telling this person that, like, yeah, I think this person's really attractive and, you know, I'll wait for them and all that. And they said, why don't you just go and get another boyfriend or go and hang out with somebody and just, you know, muck around with them and then essentially just play with their emotions and feelings and then dump them brutally and then it's all fine. That was the most disgusting thing I ever heard out of somebody's mouth there. I was like, how dare you treat somebody like that? Do not do that. Full stop. That is so cruel on so many levels. But you do not toil with people's emotions and feelings because they're human. We all deal with heartbreak. We all deal with rejection. That got me really revved up. So I'm just saying that if you are in a relationship or you're not in a relationship, it's okay to be single. There's nothing wrong with you. Keep living your best life and the right person will come at the right time when you least expect it. If they're meant to be, if that person that you like, it's going to work out, it's going to work out. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Don't put all, don't have these insanely unrealistic expectations, but don't also go and toil around with other people's emotions and feelings and be some heartless, you know, punk. I could say a really naughty word, but I'm not going to say a naughty word, but don't do that. Us as humans all want to be valued, loved and wanted and accepted by others. And by you being an asshat and not basically disregarding all those things because you just want to have fun, you're asking for black eye. That's violent. Yeah. But you're just being a complete asshat. So you kind of deserve it. I know violence is not the answer, but I just wanted to just say, treat all people with decency, respect, kindness, and love, no matter, you know, what the situation is. So you may be wondering, Tiffany, that's fantastic. I love the stories that you told me, but how does that relate to the position that you are in in your life? And that's a really good question because for the last couple of months, I've been thinking about that trip to Italy and what that meant to me. I went to Italy back in 2018. I just thought it was some random trip. It has been a lot more than just a random trip. It's taught me many valuable lessons. And I like, I learned those lessons instantly, but the real reason that I kept thinking was like, why did I go and study that course? Why did I go to that place? And I never thought that those things that I learned in the course would be, I would be applying it to the business that I'm in now. And so when I finished uni, I had no direction of what I wanted to do because I think I've maybe mentioned in the my previous episode that I was very, very determined on studying a music degree. And then I was oh, studying, sorry, sorry. I was very determined on studying or doing something in the music industry when I finished my degree. And unfortunately that hasn't happened just yet. And so I needed to go and get a job. And I was very like, I don't want to work for anyone. Nah, nah, not working for anyone. And then I had to come to the realization, Tiffany, you're being a butt, you need to work for somebody. And plus my work situation at McDonald's became quite stressful. I don't really want to delve into that because I don't feel like it's going to add to the story. I had to work for somebody else for one year. And I remember working there and Whenever I had to get a really good idea, I always liked going to the toilet. As silly as that sounds, by going to the toilet for me, it allowed me to shift my mindset because I wasn't in the same place and I was able to offer some really fresh perspectives or sometimes I was able to add something completely different to a client job. And I remember going to the bathroom and thinking, hmm, my life at the moment is too comfortable and I don't like it. I'm not doing anything groundbreaking 
or anything remarkable and I don't like this at all. I was very, very grateful for the job that I had at the printing place and I had learned so many things. And I think if you ever want to start a business, you need to work for somebody else, at least work for them for six months to a year, get some um, experience under your belt because it's better to go in and start a business and have learned and observed from what others have done and then you can go, okay, what works for this? I like that and what didn't work, I'm not going to apply that. And so I just remember being at work and I'm going, I'm bored. I'm so bored. I do not enjoy what I do. And if I'm going to work for the rest of my life, I need to find something that I genuinely love. And every morning I'm excited to get out of bed and do it, whatever it is. It was really funny because when I started, when I started the job at my printing company, at the printing company, I said to my boss, I said, I want to start my own business. Never did I think that I would actually go through and make my business a reality. And I remember coming to the end of my, because I had a contract. I, when I worked there, I was a contract. I didn't get any sick leave or anything like that. And I remember going, God, okay, this is coming to an end and I need to know what's, what's the next thing. What do I do? And I said, if you, I finished all these jobs, I said to God, I want to finish all these jobs and then you can do something wonderful and miraculous. And I get this incredible client, incredible woman. And she asked me to do these photo books. And I said, that's a God job in itself. And, um, there was a couple of other signs as well that I was like, okay, it's my time to leave. I'm very grateful for the experience, but now I need to do something for myself. And I thought I was excited to leave, but at times I thought I was losing the plot. When the people that you talk to are kind of a bit hesitant about why you're doing it, you start thinking you're losing the plot. And that's what I felt like. I was like, what the heck am I doing? Am I making the right decision? And I'll be honest with my business. I don't think it's a mistake. I think everything that I've done in my life has led to this place and this position that I'm in. And I'm very, very excited to see what happens and where it goes. I am going to make this happen with God. Before I even started this business, I prayed. I said, God, I need you to, I want your covering. I want your blessing. I need you to be the foundation of what I do. And it's so important. And he has honored um, that. And uh, I don't really know what the future holds. I think the biggest lesson in life that I've learned is that all these plans that I have made, they have not come to pass. If you asked me 10 years ago where I would be and where I am now, it's two completely different things. I always thought that I would have gone to QUT and studied a business degree, wore a neutral colored clothes, uh, wore business attire. And I thought I would meet my husband in the uni library and I would be engaged at the age of 22. Well, that's uh, that has not happened. <laughs> at all. I firstly went to Griffith University and I studied a design degree. I do not wear neutral color clothes. Absolutely not. I wear bright out there in your face kind of clothes. I did not meet my husband in the uni library. No way shape in my life am I anywhere close to being engaged. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> It's really hard when you're 22, turning 23, and everyone else seems like everything else is going for them. People are building houses, people are getting engaged, getting married, having children, and then you're like, here I am at home, living with my parents, building a business, and I have no boyfriend. And it's really hard. Like, you feel like, okay, is there something wrong with me? Like, 
my life is not the way I thought it would. This is not what I asked for, but you know what? Everyone else's journey in life is completely different. I thought I would follow in the footsteps of my mom of getting married early and it hasn't happened and I've had to accept that is the reality that I live in. But if I'm to think about, take a step back and look at it with a completely different perspective, I'm really glad that I'm not married because I don't think I would be able to do it financially because getting married is a serious commitment. I only ever want to do it once and do it right. I'm really content with the person that I am. I would rather be single and happy and content than to be in a really toxic relationship. And I'm not going to settle for somebody who has looked at me longer than three seconds. I know how to look good. Sometimes I put that effort in to make myself look good. (laughs) But I really like me. And I just want to encourage other people that if you're in the same position or you feel like your life is not, you know, happening in the way that you thought it would, it would, you got to remember that everyone's time is different and that's okay. Do not compare yourself to others because you have no idea what they're going through, what they're experiencing. You don't know that. So just keep doing you, focusing on you, building the best version of you. And if you are to get married, that right person will come at the right time. It not be maybe right in your time, but it's going to be in God's time. And that's the best time that you want to be working with. But I've been watching Formula One and what I, I won't get into the you probably like, snooze fest, don't worry, just hear me out. Half of the people in the Formula One race are under the age of 25. Do you know how that makes me feel? Terrible. <laughs> but I can't look at it like that. I cannot be a negative Nancy because that's not going to help me. And I first I wouldn't want to be a Formula One driver because it's really stressful, insanely stressful. And every time you enter that car, your life is in danger. And um, even though you make a lot of money, you can't take that money to the grave with you. You're dead. Thank you for listening for today's podcast. It's kind of like a little bit of a longer one, so apologies about that. But I just want to encourage you guys and just keep you going, keep you motivated. If you feel like your life hasn't panned out the way it has, well, the way you thought it was, uh, guess what? Probably a lot of other people feel like they're in the same boat. So don't panic. Don't stress. All good things happen to those who are happy to wait. Is that the saying? Okay. Well, if it is, cool. If it isn't, add it to your dictionary. Bye. <laughs>